Securities and financial planning offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Welcome to Planning for Wind Financial Guidance in Life. I'm Kevin Pinkley. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we'll be talking about Texas wills and probates. And joining us in the studio is John Courier. How are you, John? Doing very well, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Thank you for joining us. John, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, they call me at my office at 281-890-7090. That's Courier and Martin. You could email me at jec at couriermartin.com. That's C-U-R-R-I-E-R-M-A-R-T-I-N. Thank you, John. Well, Texas wills and probates. Where would you like to start with that topic today, John? Indeed. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what probate is. Mm -hmm. Probate's actually the process of winding up a person's affairs Mm -hmm. after they've died. And there are a number of ways to go about it, whether you have a will or if you die without a will. Um, The process of probate is to prove, Mm -hmm. whether you have a will or not, that the person is, in fact, deceased. Seems fairly obvious, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to be giving away everybody's property if they're not deceased. If you have a will, the court will check to see that it is, in fact, a valid will Mm -hmm. and that the people named in it to serve as executor or personal representative are qualified and are not disqualified Mm -hmm. from serving as such. So in plain English, what that means is a document is presented to the court that purports to be a will. Well, it has to be done in such a way that it's valid. Well, there are two different ways to do wills. One is a holographic will. And that sounds fancy, but really it's just a will completely in the testator's handwriting Mm -hmm. with no typewritten margins or anything. Anybody can draft a will on a piece of paper or anything else for that matter, as long as it's completely in your handwriting and it shows testamentary intent. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite probate stories comes back from 1948. This farmer up in the northern part of North Dakota, Mm -hmm maybe across the border in Saskatchewan. He, uh, he left his family, told them he was going to go out and work in the field for a couple of hours and be back before dinner. And he was out plowing his field with his machinery, and something happened, and he had to get off and start working on it. And the machine backed up over him, mm-hmm. and he was pinned. But he wasn't dead yet, but mm-hmm. he knew that, you know, this is not going to work out well. They're not going to even come looking for me for hours. And literally scratched into the bumper of this tractor the words, Mom takes all. Mm -hmm. And by the time they found him, he was deceased. Well, when uh, the investigators came out to, you know, see what had happened, they noticed that, oh, my gosh, this guy had scratched this message into this bumper. They removed the bumper, and they took it to the courthouse (laughs) and literally used that as a holographic will Mm -hmm. because it was completely in his handwriting, and it displayed testamentary intent. So kind of an extreme example, I don't recommend to your listeners Mm -hmm. that they use a holographic will as their main source of a will, but it could be very useful in a temporary stopgap measure. Mm -hmm. If you don't have time to seek out an attorney and get a will done and you're about to go on a vacation or have an operation or something, sure, 
Take it, write it all the way out in your handwriting. Mm -hmm. All you need to do is, is make sure that you are intending to dispose of all of your property mm -hmm. and to whom it's to go. Um, you can sign it, but it has to be completely in your handwriting. Now, the problem mm -hmm. with this type of will is a problem of proof mm -hmm. because we go back to the probate. What is probate? It's proving up a valid will. Who is it that would know what your handwriting looks like? Well, probably relatives. Relatives will not be witnesses because they're not disinterested witnesses. Mm -hmm. They have an interest in the estate. Therefore, they're not going to be somebody that could actually testify in court as to the handwriting. So you have to find two people who are disinterested witnesses who can testify that this is, in fact, the handwriting of the testator. You can see where that would be a problem, mm -hmm. particularly as time goes on, 25-year-old will, how are you going to find somebody that knows what this handwriting looks like? So the other way to do it is a, a, a proper will where you use an attorney and it's all typewritten mm -hmm. and you put your thoughts down, who gets what, who's in charge of the estate, that would be the executor. And um, that has to be witnessed by two credible witnesses mm -hmm. and notarized. So what we do is we have, uh, when someone comes into my office saying mm -hmm. we we're going to draft their will, we write it all down, we let them look at it, make sure everybody's names are spelled correctly and they answer any questions, and then we have two witnesses and a notary standing by so that you know, we execute the wills at our office. That's what most lawyers do. Mm -hmm. But one good reason to use an attorney to draft your will is something that's called a self-proving affidavit. Mm -hmm. You can tell we're a problem of proof again, self-proving affidavit. It's a paragraph that basically tracks the formalities and solemnities of the law as to the execution of the will. In other words, you physically write down that there were two witnesses, mm -hmm. that they witnessed the testator signing the will, that the testator said this was his will. When you do that, and you have this self-proving affidavit, no further proof of the proper execution is required. So it is presumed to be a valid will right there. Mm -hmm. We still have to have your executor pass muster. Mm -hmm. The executor must be uh, 18 years old and qualified but not disqualified. And that sounds weird, but it becomes obvious when you're disqualified if you're not mentally capable mm -hmm. of, you know, performing, or you don't want to. It's a lot of responsibility. Not everybody wants it. You don't have to be the executor. You can refuse to be that. Or if you're a felon, uh, felons cannot be executors of wills. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of interesting because in the last, I don't know, four or five months, I've actually run into that a couple times. <laughs> so I forgot to ask my people, hey, um, are you a felon? And it, it always comes out. So uh, that's, that's basically the setup of probate. But if you die without a will, mm -hmm. it opens well, up Well, let me back up for a second because yeah. I've got all kinds of questions running through Please. my head, and I'm sure the listeners are wondering, wondering a few things too. So the title is Texas Wills and Probate. So obvious that Texas law is different than the other states, correct? That's true. Okay. So, and I'll use some examples. Somebody moves from another state, and they said, well, this is how we used to do it in Arkansas. Okay, that's great, but there's a difference, right? Okay, they're in a different zip code now, yes. and something has changed. Okay. That's right. Yeah. But yeah. Texas recognizes all the other states' wills. Yeah. You can probate an out-of-state will in Texas. Gotcha. But Texas law is different than for instance, the other states. So there's these nuances that are in there. So when people come in with their own recommendations or their own advice, 
that's why they seek someone like yourself because there's a difference and it needs to be done right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And the, you know, the interesting thing was, um, you know, you were given the example of, yeah, you can scratch something out on a bumper. And I've heard stories of, you know, on the farmers or ranchers on a feed sack. Okay. And it's in a tin can from, and, um, so those are examples and okay, they're legal, but they're probably not wise. And that's when issues come up where a bunch of people come out of the woodwork to say that that's not what daddy meant or that's not what Uncle Bob meant or grandma. And then there's all these issues versus seeking someone like yourself. And that person then puts their wishes on paper. Their wishes are carried out because they're documented and witnessed and they don't have those issues when things show up on bumpers and feed sacks or uh, some scrap of paper uh, from many, many years ago. So uh, Absolutely, and yeah. that's a very good point. Yeah. And it brings up an issue. We have, uh, in Texas, mm-hmm. a very good probate setup. You know, I hear horror stories mm-hmm. from California where it takes years to probate a will right. and tens of thousands of dollars. That's not how it is here. Mm-hmm. If you have a properly drafted will and it's valid, I can get my people in and out of the courthouse, well, Mm -hmm. pre-COVID, within about six to eight weeks. And then from there, we send a notice to creditors, and we give them 180 days to Mm -hmm. file a proof of claim. Those creditors that do not file a proof of claim after they receive the certified letter, they're barred from collecting the debts. Mm -hmm. And that comes in handy when you're trying to figure out who's going to pay what. Mm -hmm. So... That's a good point. The other good point on that is to avoid will contests. Mm-hmm. You can be very specific in your will. We have something that I love. It's called an, it's a, called an ad terrorem clause. Mm-hmm. This basically says, anyone who contests my will is taken to have predeceased me for purposes of the distribution under this will. Mm-hmm. In other words, if somebody fights the will, they're no longer included in the distribution gotcha. setup. Okay. Well, um, you know, so you mentioned probate, that it's not a long, drawn-out process like other states, and I think that's a common misconception here because you always hear people say, oh, I want to avoid probate, but right. yet if you ask them, well, what does probate look like, they're giving you examples of another state or something maybe their aunt went through years ago and maybe it, it wasn't handled properly to start with, but I, I think once people know a little more about it, as you mentioned, especially here, that it's not a big deal. Um, That's right. Yeah. There's one thing that I'd like to point out. And uh, if, if you're asking me straight up, why wouldn't I recommend a will? If you're going to have a trust document drawn up, mm-hmm. which disposes of your property outside of probate, that's one thing. But a, a probate, when I file an application for probate of a will, I actually file the will as well. Mm-hmm. And that will becomes public record. So theoretically, someone could actually go and read my will after I'm mm-hmm. deceased. That would be the only reason that you would want to avoid probate. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that's not, that's not a big deal. Right. Okay, so let me ask a question then. In that scenario... Um, if for some reason someone wanted to spend the time and effort to look up someone's will, um, I mean, it's really just their wishes. It doesn't give them the uh, scope of the estate and the details to that degree, correct? 
correct? That's usually correct. Yeah. There are okay. wills where people list out, you know, every soup spoon and every right. sheet and blanket, mm-hmm. but those are rare. We try to avoid doing that because yeah. your personal property and real property assets change constantly. Mm-hmm. So you pretty much just list who's going to get, mm-hmm. you know, what. Maybe there's a specific bequest that someone gets the gun collection or the mm-hmm. coin collection, but you don't break it down. Right. Usually like that. Okay. So does a person need an attorney for probate or can they do that themselves or what's the pros and cons of someone trying to do it themselves? It's a good question. Yeah. So one of the things you learn in law school is that a person that represents themselves has a fool for a client. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, the probate process is probably a little bit daunting if you mm-hmm. don't know what hoops to jump through and what doors to open. But for a probate attorney, it's fairly straightforward. There's usually mm-hmm. always a bump or two in the road, but it's possible, yes, to probate your mm-hmm. your own will without an attorney, although I would think that for the money, it would it would definitely be worth it right. to actually hire an attorney. Well, I'll give some examples. Um, so from time to time, people come into our office and um, maybe they're existing clients or new clients or a referral from existing clients and maybe they're in the middle of, I'll just say, settling an estate and going through probate. And they're giving all these examples of problems and issues and it's taking months and months and in some cases years. And then after we listen, we say, well, who's your attorney working on it? And 99% of the time when they have those issues, they'll go, well, I don't have one. I've been doing it myself or my neighbor's doing it and he used to do commercial real estate as an attorney. And um, so I don't have examples of people coming in that said someone put together this will and now we're in probate because the person's passed on and we have these horror stories of an attorney settling it. It's always when I tried to do it myself or get someone that maybe they meant well, but they're, that's just not their wheelhouse, if you will. That's a good um, point. Yeah. One other point along that line is I... I wanted to let your listeners know that you should be wary Mm -hmm. of using online wills. Um, Even from some of the big legal companies Mm -hmm. that are online, uh, they're not really tailored specifically to Texas law. Mm -hmm. And I've seen them without this self-proving affidavit to where we've actually had to go find witnesses to testify that Mm -hmm. the will is in fact valid and the person, you know, did in fact execute it. And that can really be a challenge, particularly Mm -hmm. if the person is new to town and there's just Mm -hmm. no family members around or they're elderly and they didn't have any friends or anything. There's nobody that can actually testify to it. So uh, I I mentioned why you might not want to probate based Mm -hmm. on the public information that the will would provide, Mm but that's a very rare slice of that pie. And I would recommend that you use an attorney to draft your will Mm -hmm. and use an attorney to probate the will um, it streamlines the process. So um, another question is why execute a will in the first place? Mm-hmm. Well, you want to be able to determine who gets your assets. Right. And by drafting a will, you're, you're actually taking the steering wheel and doing that. If you die without a will, you're dying in test state, the statutes of the state of Texas will dictate who gets what. And that gets to be a little convoluted, as we'll go over here mm-hmm. in a little bit. But another good reason is if you have minor children, mm-hmm. um, you can determine who their guardian will be mm-hmm. and, um, and who your personal re- representative or executor will be. Mm-hmm. And um, 
those are the main strengths of having a, a will drafted, you know, in Texas. Well, um, you get to put your wishes on paper and see that they're carried out because the truth of the matter is that um, regardless of what age you are, what your background is, the status of your family, that sometimes things don't go as planned when you're not around, meaning you're not here and you've lost control of how people are going to act and react. And if it's on paper, then it gives them directions on these are my wishes and this is what I want to happen. And usually um, people have spent a lifetime, you know, establishing this estate. It's important to them. And sometimes they're passing things off to other generations, institutions of their choice, charities and such, and they want to make sure it happens. And sometimes just relying on someone to do what you told them to do doesn't always work. And that can be your friends, your spouse, uh, siblings, children. It just doesn't happen. And that way, and and I'm just using the examples that I've seen over the years, and I, I think it's so important to put your wishes on paper and see that they're carried out because our experience has been if that doesn't happen, then your wishes don't get carried out to the degree that you want them to. And sometimes uh, the person that you thought was going to do that for whatever reason doesn't or can't or they're influenced by someone else later in life, maybe a spouse um, or maybe the situation changes and um, maybe they're now older and they have medical issues or cognitive ability issues and they, they can't execute it, um, but at least if it's on paper, they'll carry out your wishes. And, you know, going back to the example of the, I scratched my will on a bumper uh, or a feed sack, um, when it's on paper and it's explained to people, uh, it works out. And in most cases, if, if you don't do that, it, 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 folks, it's just not going to work out the way you think it is. It's very perceptive. Yeah. People grieve differently. Right. Right. And when people draft their wills, they're not really focused on that. They're mm-hmm. more focused on, here's what I want to happen. Mm-hmm. Not, are you going to carry out my wishes? Right. And, uh, I, I've seen it in my practice almost 30 years where, uh, people that I've known mm-hmm. uh, that seem logical and normal and good, boy, they just turn on each other. Right, right. And um, like I said, people grieve differently, and mm-hmm. you just can't really predict how that's going to go. So writing in careful instructions down is, is a, a boon. Right, and, you know, I always thought that after you see a f- few of these go really well and some of them not so well, that I always thought, and I tell people that, um, sometimes, and it's up to you when you tell people and how you tell them, but sometimes you should tell them verbally how you would like them to, to act and why. And you can mention to them that, you know, you have certain language in this will and, and maybe you want that, the, that person to carry it out. But tell them that, you know, you made this decision in, in good health and you would like them to carry it out and it's important to them. And then make sure that they carry it out because in some cases, and I'm sure you've seen it, that the person who's supposed to carry out this will and execute it um, doesn't have the will to follow through with it because, as you said, maybe they're grieving, maybe they're just overwhelmed, and nothing gets done. 
and um, they're second-guessing themselves, and it's like, okay, they, they put that on paper. They asked you to please do this is really what they're doing, and um, so that's another reason why you need legal help that, you know, they can help move it along and someone's not overwhelmed with um, mom and dad or Aunt Sally left me to do this and I'm overwhelmed, and, and some people just can't follow through with it. And it seems odd, but it happens all the time. Indeed it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, maybe having a conversation with someone that um, you don't have to tell them what's being left and to who, but say, you know, hey, I've put my wishes on paper, and um, when the time comes, I'd like you to do what I asked you to do. Please. That's a very <laughs> good point. Yeah. And, and it brings up another point I'd like to let your listeners know. More and more passwords are mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. Where are all your photographs? They're mm-hmm. on your phone. Mm-hmm. What's the password? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you think Apple's going to give you that password? No. Right. Well, let's subpoena it. Mm-hmm. You're not getting it. Mm-hmm. So it's important to write down your passwords somewhere. You don't have to give them to anybody, mm-hmm. but just let your executor know, right. here's where I keep my passwords, or put them in your safe deposit box with your will. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't even count how many times we've had an issue where we cannot get Mm-hmm. Either the photographs or the business documents we need, we can't find them. Mm-hmm. I've got a case right now where we um, asked the court for an order to allow us to open a safe deposit box to see if there's a will and mm-hmm. to withdraw it. As we sit here right now, I've got an appointment tomorrow with uh, one of the local banks to go and actually do that. Mm-hmm. So y- you keep it in your safe deposit box. You don't have to give anybody a key. It's a very simple procedure. It's usually a rubber stamp for the judge to say, yeah, okay, open the box and see mm-hmm. if there's a will or right. a life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. So passwords. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that password. We've seen cases where someone will go, um, um, dad had a book full of passwords and we're going through it. And then you find out it's drawers and drawers full of notebooks with different passwords, Mm -hmm. but they go back the last 15 years. Or here's one that I like. Um, Someone told their children, um, here's a key to the safety deposit box when I'm not here, and then left and walked out of the room, and they never told them or followed up with them what bank it was at. (laughs) So, you know, it was important to let them know we had a key, but I'll tell you later what bank. So it was kind of funny, but um, it was like, you know, but, you know, sometimes people think that, you know, the way they're going about that makes sense. But sometimes if you kind of step back a little bit, it's like it doesn't make sense. And you, you you have to help people out also when you're putting your will together and your wishes that, you know, you, you need to give them a little help of where things are at instead of, um, I mean, I've seen examples. People are calling secretaries and saying, where do you mm-hmm. think? Daniel put this, or Bob put this, or Sally put this, or where you know, or or uh, second cousins, um, and I mean, it's just all that work was put together to to complete the will, and just a few conversations would be very helpful. So, Absolutely, yeah. you can actually also write it down, put it in an envelope, and right. staple it to the will, so that yeah. you don't have to tell them right now. Right. But it would be very helpful to have that information. And your one of your goals mm-hmm. in executing a will is to make it easier for everybody that mm-hmm. you leave behind. You gotta remember that once your will comes to pass, mm-hmm. you're deceased right. and your family is grieving. Mm-hmm. And the last thing they need is 
three drawers worth of notebooks full of passwords right, to right, try right. to figure out what's what. In a locked closet, yeah. <laughs> the, um, well, um, so what are some examples of, um, well, let me rephrase that. When, when um, how long does it take to complete a will? When someone brings their wishes to you, I mean, how long does that take? It's a pretty simple process. What yeah. we do is we send out a questionnaire. It's three pages long. Mm -hmm. Very self-explanatory. You know, name, address, mm -hmm. who are your spouse, who's your, your children, who are your beneficiaries, um, who would you want your executor to be. Mm -hmm. If you have minor children or special needs children that need a guardian, you could name that. Um, special gifts that you want to give someone after you're gone. Mm -hmm. um, how do you want your estate distributed? Mm -hmm. um, just fill these in. Then we take that information and we compile it into one of several different types of will that we use over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, the process is very quick. Mm -hmm. uh, we can have a uh, you know, day or two turnaround if mm -hmm. we need to and have folks come in and actually sign the wills. Interestingly enough, the governor has declared during the COVID emergency that you don't have to physically be present to sign a will in front of a notary. What we do is we, we do it on Zoom, and we've done several of them over the last couple of weeks where we've given the folks the actual papers. My law partner and I serve as witnesses, mm -hmm. and my secretary mm -hmm. is the notary. We're all on different screens in mm -hmm. various parts and hidden bunkers, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, we watch as the person actually signs it, and they go from page to page, and we instruct them as to what to do. Mm -hmm. Then once they're all signed, we gather the documentation back up, and it's presented to us, and then you know we'll notarize and witness it and sign it, and it's an official document. Okay. So that's very helpful because you know you don't you don't know who you're going to be getting in a room with right now. And sure, well, you learn something every day. That's news to me. I didn't know that that makes sense, and maybe they should continue that in the future. So who knows? Well, we're going to take a break for a moment. When we come back, we'll continue with Texas wills and probates, and with John Courier. We'll be right back. Thank you. Second Saturday Divorce Workshop provides unbiased information to help you understand your options and move forward with your life. This divorce workshop is for you if you are contemplating divorce, in the process of divorce, already filed for divorce, or post-divorce. You will explore the emotional, legal, and financial aspects of divorce from professionals who have guided others through divorce. For more information on this divorce workshop, contact SecondSaturdayWoodlands.com or call 832-375-0900. We're back. This is Planning for Win Financial Guidance in Life. I'm Kevin Pinkley. Thank you for joining us. And as always, if you'd like to get in contact with me, you can call me at 832-375-0900. That's 832-375-0900. So we're back with John and Texas Wills and Probates. So, John, the question is, what happens if someone passes away and they don't have a will? Fair question. Yeah. That's a situation that we call intestacy. When you pass away without a will, the state of Texas has a set of statutes that determines who gets what. Mm -hmm. Now, as you know, we're a community property state in Texas. Mm -hmm. So the first question we look at is, what type of property are we talking about? Mm -hmm. Is it community property? Is it separate property? Community property is 
any property that's acquired during a marriage. Mm -hmm. Separate property, conversely, would be any property that is purchased or acquired before marriage, whether it's by buying it or by inheriting mm -hmm. it or certain types of gifts. But each type of property is treated radically different mm -hmm. in the purpose of an intestacy. So look at a couple examples mm -hmm. is the best way to go about this. A person dies leaving a spouse mm -hmm. with no children. Mm -hmm. um, if the property that they own, for instance, their house is community property, you would think that the spouse takes everything mm -hmm. in that scenario. The surviving spouse will take 100% of the community property if there are no children. Mm -hmm. In a situation where there are children that are from that marriage, um, or between the two people, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a marriage. Um, but there are no kids from other people or mm -hmm. other relationships, then the surviving spouse takes 100% of that. But if you look at it where you've got a blended family, mm -hmm. like many, many folks in Texas, and you've got stepchildren involved, and the deceased has children, and the surviving spouse has children, the community property then is split. 50% mm -hmm. goes to the surviving spouse, and 50% are split between the children. Mm -hmm. So that can be a shock to mm -hmm. some folks. But when we get down into a separate property, mm -hmm. the, the statutes protect blood relations more than marital relations mm -hmm. when it comes to property. And it makes sense when you look at it from that perspective. But many people are shocked to learn that, you know, the husband had this house before the wife got married. Mm -hmm. They lived in the house for a very long time, but it's separate property. Mm -hmm. And the children wind up owning 100% of the real estate that's mm -hmm. separate property. Now, the surviving spouse has some rights to it, what we call a life estate. And technically, there's a one-third life estate in the surviving spouse. And what that means is it's an interest, an ownership interest, but you really can't do anything. You can't sell it mm -hmm. because it's measured by your own life. So if I sold my property to you, which was a life estate, and I died the next day, mm -hmm. you no longer own it because your interest came from me. Mm -hmm. So the children take 100% mm -hmm. of separate real property. Um, likewise, when you get a situation of personal property, mm -hmm. bank accounts, automobiles, stocks, things of that nature, um, and it's separate property, the spouse will take a one-third share of that, and the children will take a two-thirds share mm -hmm. of that. I have had people come into my office in disbelief that that's what's mm -hmm. going on. One case recently, um, a, a husband and a wife had been separated for a decade, mm -hmm. and the children had grown up and gone away, um, but they never got divorced. Mm -hmm. And no one knew where <laughs> the surviving spouse was. Right. But as I did the research, I, I said, hey, um, they never got divorced. She's mm -hmm. the surviving spouse. What does that mean? Well, that means that she's going to take a bite out of all of this stuff. That's what that means. Well, I'll go ahead and say it. Um, when people pass away in that situation where there wasn't a will, people don't get along. They don't agree on anything. And there's all kinds of problems. And as you said, people are quite surprised of what the law is and what they thought was going to happen versus what's really going to happen. And it's pretty simple to remedy that. It's just have a will completed by a caring and competent attorney, and then most of those issues won't ever be an issue because everybody's heard of heard about it 
from family and friends and neighbors of some catastrophe, and it always goes back to, or usually goes back to, well, there wasn't a will, or it's from 1962, the will. Um, and it's like, you, you know, you, you got to make some effort to avoid those disasters. So, um, and then when it's on paper, you're done, right? That's right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's always strange to me that you always hear the term last will in mm-hmm. the Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the last will is the only good will mm-hmm. because it revokes the previous wills. Mm-hmm. As you execute a new will, it revokes mm-hmm. the last will. So that's why last will is an important will. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to point out one other thing about separate property, separate mm-hmm. real property. If a surviving spouse has no children, mm-hmm. um, they don't get 100% of that property. Mm-hmm. They only get 50% of that property. Mm-hmm. 50% of it, the other half, would go to mm-hmm. the parents of mm-hmm. the deceased if mm-hmm. they're still around. If they're not and there are <laughs> yeah. brothers and sisters, yeah. the brothers and sisters inherit half. Mm-hmm. If they're not around but there's nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. the nieces and nephews mm-hmm. receive half. Somewhere, as we drill down, we find something that's called a laughing heir. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know I had a great Uncle John. Right. Well, you did, and mm-hmm. here's his estate. It happens. Right. So the statutes are designed to catch everything. Mm-hmm. But it's much better to determine who gets your property. Right. So take the time to draft a will. Well, and is this correct that the little bit of effort someone has to do to put together the will saves so much time and effort versus someone who didn't and then going through the maze of how to correct this or rectify this without the will? Absolutely. Right, yeah. Uh, you're... Uh, what is it, an ounce of prevention right. is worth a pound of cure? Right. Nothing could be truer than this. Right. It's not that big a deal to draft a will. Mm-hmm. You know, I swear you won't die any sooner for having done <laughs> it, but it's very important to do. Well, well, you know, funny you mention that because th- that is some people's aversion to it. They'll go, well, I'm 32, yes. or I'm 54, absolutely, or I'm 62, you know, and it's like, well, okay, but that doesn't matter. So uh, you probably still put your seatbelt on every day when you get in your car, right? So why do you do that? So, um, but yeah, I think some people have an aversion because it's like, I'll speed up the process. I mean, I think they really, in the back of their mind, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, don't step on a crack in the sidewalk or some kind of thing. So, but it's weird that I think a lot of people are wrapped up into that and then it's just uh, so... Um, Usually some big life event, like when you start having children, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you start becoming more focused on, well, what do I need to do to protect them? And, right. And, and that brings a lot of folks in to do wills. The virus also, it's got everybody freaked out now, you know, they want to take care of it. Well, yeah. So it, it brings things to the forefront that I didn't need it or I'm delaying it. And then now it's like they start thinking, it's like, well, what if something happened? And, well, what about this? And what about that? And, you know, I never answered this, and my wishes aren't on paper. So, you know, maybe some folks will make it more important. You know, you mentioned the term last will, and then you mentioned children. Well, children grow up, okay, and things change. So is there reasons that someone needs to update a will from time to time? Excellent question. And the obvious answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you have additional children, Mm -hmm. or there's different properties that have come and gone. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't have to execute necessarily a whole brand new will. Mm-hmm. You can do something that's known as a codicil. Mm-hmm. It's an addendum to your will. And it, it, it adds people or takes people away, adds properties or t- 
takes properties away. You can change your executor. You can mm -hmm. do anything in a codicil. It's executed with the same formalities as a will, mm -hmm. and uh, it's attached to the will. And when we probate it, we probate the will plus mm -hmm. the codicil. Um, so that's a very good point. Are there certain people that uh, the people who complete a will should consider leaving a copy of the will with? I mean, are there people that they should or shouldn't or, you know, versus going and digging through desks and boxes that looking for a document that may or may not be there? Where, where should they uh, and who should they leave those documents with, if excellent. anybody? Yeah, yeah. excellent yeah. question, Kevin. It's important if you're mm -hmm. going to take the effort to draft mm -hmm. a will that you're able to find the will mm -hmm. when it's necessary. We recommend that folks either have a safe deposit box mm -hmm. or if you have a fireproof lock box at your home, mm -hmm. that's a good idea. You can give copies to whomever. You mm -hmm. don't have to give copies, but you can. Mm -hmm. And usually you need the original will for the probate, mm -hmm. but it is possible to probate a photocopy of a will. Mm -hmm. It takes a couple more steps of proving it up, like we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. It's always an issue of proof, but it is possible to do. We have to explain why the original will can't be found, mm -hmm. and people have to testify that we're pretty sure that there wasn't another will that was executed, mm -hmm. and you know, a couple of more hoops to jump through, but it is possible. Mm -hmm. So what we like to do is we recommend that folks pick a spot and mm -hmm. let at least your executor know where it is. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, people will give copies out to the beneficiaries of the will. Mm -hmm. Um, they're going to find out eventually anyway, right? Right. And uh, when we probate a will, we're required to give a copy of the will to each beneficiary named in the will. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't have to. And mm -hmm. so there are people that really make a hobby out of changing their will as sure. people fall in and out of favor with mm -hmm. the testator. Mm -hmm. And we like those because it's a steady, you know, form right. of work. But yep. um, to answer your question, yes. And listeners, my house burned down, mm -hmm. all right? Burn to the ground. If you're going to keep things at your home, make sure you have a fireproof safe because it happens. Mm -hmm. It happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, I had my, safe, my will in a safe deposit box, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um, the point is that put it somewhere where it won't get destroyed in a flood or a fire. Mm -hmm. We all know. Well, there, yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, you, you know, you, you, funny, I mean, it's not funny that you mentioned the fire situation, but, I mean, so many people can reach back in memory and they'll ask, well, where was this or where did I keep that? And then it was like, it was lost in the fire. It was lost in the flood. It was lost in the hurricane. It was lost in the tornado. Um, and um, so those are important. So do one more little step and put it somewhere that it's secure because you made the effort to do it. Now, do sometimes attorneys keep copies of uh, someone's will or we not? Do. Or, yeah, we okay. do. Um, we have a safe deposit box for the firm, and mm -hmm. we put people's wills in that, and okay. we store them for as long as they want. Mm -hmm. You can also, surprisingly enough, file the will with the county mm -hmm. where you reside. They'll keep it in their hermetically sealed safe as well. Mm -hmm. I don't really like doing that because mm -hmm. many times people don't know that the will is actually in the custody of the county. They've executed subsequent wills, and that one comes out. Mm -hmm. It's better if you execute a new will that you destroy, physically destroy the old will. Mm -hmm. Don't keep it around for sentimental purposes. It will just cause confusion later on. Mm -hmm. And um, you also, you know, getting, knowing the will is in the custody of the court mm -hmm. is one thing. Getting it out is another thing. Mm -hmm. um, and is it the last will, you know? So if you don't have any other options, that is a viable option. Okay. 
but keep it handy sounds like a pretty good approach. So. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, um, okay, well, if someone is wondering, what actually do you put in a will? I mean, what, I mean, if someone's new to this, I mean, you put property, you know, division of assets, that kind of thing. I mean, do you put other thoughts on there? Absolutely. Uh, okay. Yeah. The, the, the concept that is your will, mm-hmm. we use the word will right. because it is literally your wishes, mm-hmm. your will. Mm-hmm. Mostly you determine who gets what, mm-hmm. who is in charge of the estate, but you can put clauses in there for all kinds of things. The mm-hmm. disposition of your remains, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Hey, look, I want to be cremated and I want to be scattered over some sunny beach somewhere. Mm-hmm. You can put anything you want to in that mm-hmm. document. Um, naming a guardian is really important. Mm-hmm. You can, and you know, people sometimes do this where mm-hmm. they will specifically name someone and say that I'm leaving them $1. Mm-hmm. And the reason that people do that is twofold. One, it's a bit of a slap. Mm-hmm. And two, it takes away the argument that the beneficiary was forgotten about when the mm-hmm. will was drafted. Mm-hmm. You specifically mention that person and you mm-hmm. specifically give them a gift, right? right. It's only a dollar. It's right, kind of right. an insult if you look at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But um, that's one other thing that you can do with the will. Um, obviously, if you want to make charitable donations, you determine... Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to get that? Or mm-hmm. you can leave it up to your executor to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you can. So it's up to the person who's creating the will. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. The other thing is you hear a last will and testament, mm-hmm. right? It's not, most people don't really do the testament part anymore, mm-hmm. but you can make any kind of statement you want to in your will as a testament. Mm-hmm. You know, but how you think that, you know, your son has lived his life incorrectly or, mm-hmm. you know, how proud you are of your children or things of that nature. Um, you can put that in your, your will as well. Okay. But we, we bolt, nut and bolt, we uh, make sure that everything that has to be in that will is there and mm-hmm. then anything extra you want to add to it, it's, it's your will. Okay. Are there people that you think um, shouldn't complete a will? So here's an yeah. example. Um, uh, I'm either elderly and I really don't care about anything and uh, I've got no children, no family, or maybe I'm 19 years old and I'm kind of footloose, footloose and fancy free. I mean, I have my answer, but I was just, you know, do, do you think that there's people who don't need to complete that? And if so, is that a good idea or a bad idea? Realistically, Mm -hmm. of course, there are people that don't need a will. Mm -hmm. There are probate assets and non-probate assets, Mm -hmm. first of all. Probate assets are title documents, wills, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, deeds, car titles, bank accounts, things like that. If you don't have a mechanism whereby someone else takes it upon your death, like Mm -hmm. a payable on death bank account Mm -hmm. or a transfer on death deed, Mm -hmm. uh, things of that nature, then the title has to be transferred. Mm -hmm. So having a will makes that a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. But the intestacy statute will catch everything that you miss. Mm -hmm. So somebody somewhere will take your property. And it's almost impossible for it to escheat to the state of Texas, meaning Mm -hmm. that Texas then, there's nobody here, so Mm -hmm. Texas gets the ranch. Mm -hmm. That very, very, very rarely happens. There's always some distant cousin somewhere that's going to take it. So, yeah, there are people that don't need to do a will if you don't have any probate assets. Mm-hmm. If you have, all, all I have is a bank account mm-hmm. um, or two, and 
you know, I've got a signer that's, you know, my mom or my brother or whomever. Mm-hmm. They take it upon my demise. You don't really need a will. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do have property that needs to be transferred, mm-hmm. it certainly makes things a lot easier for those you leave behind if you leave them a roadmap as to right. what you want to do. Okay. Well, I mean, I wanted to know um, what you thought, and you answered it the way I thought you would. But, I, I mean, as we talked about earlier, all these issues and problems that we see happening and delays and people who wanted something to happen, whether they put it on paper or not, those issues happen, in my experience, mostly because they didn't have a will. So the simple, usually, answer is just do it, and then it's done, and things work the way they're supposed to. So Right. The flip yeah. side to that is even if you have a will, mm-hmm. but you don't have any probate assets, all mm-hmm. your assets are non-probate assets, you don't have to probate it. Right. So no, no, I'm glad you mentioned that because so uh, if you just look at financial assets, obviously some of them are probate assets and non-probate assets. And, um, you know, people sometimes get mired in the fact of, well, I don't need a will because of this or I do because of this. And it's like there's always exceptions. And that's why, again, going to a competent attorney and asking them those important questions because people are always shocked because they have this conception of wills and probate. And then when you tell them, well, there's actually probate assets and non-probate. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? And then they imagine, well, certainly I'm not in that category. And it's like, well, you very well may be because the list is pretty broad and covers some general, generally popular assets that are probate and non-probate. So it's kind of like the more you think you know, really, you, you don't. And it's helpful just to get all those things taken care of. So, don't know what you don't know. That's right. And it's expensive when you don't, right? Yeah, it's yeah. definitely <laughs> more expensive. And that takes a lot more time. Right. So is a document uh, a will? I mean, does it expire? It's a good question. Yeah. The will does not expire. Mm-hmm. It, it lasts until you execute a new one or mm-hmm. you revoke that will. So it's possible to have executed a will and mm-hmm. revoke it and have no will. Mm-hmm. But most of the time what happens is someone will execute a new will mm-hmm. and um, that takes precedence over the old will. Mm-hmm. The presumption is that if a will is lost or it's destroyed that it was revoked. Mm-hmm. So you have to overcome the presumption. Um, he did not intentionally destroy this will. It burned up in a fire. I do have a photocopy of it, mm-hmm. so that's why we're pro- probating a photocopy. That's just you know one of the thousand scenarios that can go down. Right. But, you know, the interesting thing is, and I don't know why, and, and maybe it's just because I'm seeing a small group, but you, know, you can go back in history, whether you're digging through family history or someone else's, and a lot of times people had wills, but then you move forward decades or hundreds of years later, and some people don't. And it's like, maybe it's a little important now to have a will just as important as it was back then. And, you know, I don't know if that's just something that I saw, but um, I don't know if people are thinking that, well, in today's modern world, I don't need one. And if anything, you probably need it more than ever. So um, it, it was just a comment. I, I don't know why people would consider that. Well, uh, John, thank you, and we certainly learned a lot. I learned a few things, uh, and some of it uh, is good to know because it's uh, there's always updates that happen. Um, so, again, uh, so people can get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that, John? Right, Kevin. First of all, thank you mm-hmm. again for having me on. Mm-hmm. It's been my pleasure. 
Uh, to reach out to me, you can catch me on my phone at 281-890-7090, or you can catch me on my email at JEC, like Juliet Echo Charlie, JEC at CourierMartin.com. Happy to answer any questions you have. Um, feel free to contact me anytime you like. Thank you, John. Well, thank you for joining us. This is Planning for Win Financial Guidance in Life. This is Kevin Pinkley. And you can join us the last Tuesday of the month at 1 p.m. or check us out online at Lone Star Community Radio. Thank you very much. Securities and financial planning offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing.